1: everyone uh welcome back to podside picnic this is carlo i am accompanied by of course my uh handy co-host pete and with us today is cat rambo uh nebula award winner and uh former CIFWA president if i'm not mm-hmm. mistaken is that right that is correct am ah. i missing any other uh any other uh, superlatives? Uh, anything else that I should uh, have included there?
2: I am a certified master gardener. Excellent. Nice. What What does that entail exactly? <laughs> uh, I went when actually this was when I was living in Baltimore. I went to the uh, extension office, the agricultural extension office, and took the master gardening classes. And took a test and did volunteer work and got my certification It's like 25 years ago. I don't think plants have changed much, however.
1: (laughs) Well, don't tell Monsanto that. (laughs) This is true. Uh, You know, for whatever reason, I'm just imagining like a a weird uh, sort of martial arts training where they like fling seeds at you like they're, they're a shuriken and you catch them between your fingertips. But obviously, it's probably not that exciting.
2: Well it's usually uh, thorned cuttings of some kind that that uh, those you know <laughs> raspberry <okay>. canes inside.
1: <laughs> oh no. All right. Well so uh we had uh f- prepared for your uh for your visit today by reading your Nebula award-winning it was an, it's a novelette is am i It right? is a
2: novelette, yes.
1: Uh Carpe that, Glitter. That's novelette
2: ca- Carl. <laughs> uh,
1: Oh. Yes. Look, it's only if it's if it comes from the Nouvelle section of France. Otherwise, <laughs> it's a white sparkling novel.
2: This is it. This is you guys are just. It's amazing the acumen being displayed here.
1: <laughs> I, I, I didn't study. <laughs> I didn't study five <laughs> whole years of sifwiness. <laughs> To come half cocked, <laughs>
2: oh there we go, there we
1: go, but anyway uh we we did read your this is a two thousand nineteen novel um uh, nebula award winner, is that correct uh-huh. it is. okay uh, i'm I'm bringing this right off the dome, so forgive me if I sound in uncertain, so but uh yeah, so uh, in any case, uh we know that just so that I get this out of the way because Pete's probably gonna come in and ask me, so how do you know each other?
0: Yeah, that's usually what I do. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, we we met in
2: Sarah Pinsker's kitchen, actually, is- I believe. Uh, Sarah Pinsker, who is a wonderful Baltimore-based uh, writer and singer and currently a SIFWA board member, uh, very also- graciously allowed me to crash in her space. Uh, while I came down for the Baltimore book festival and you were, I believe her roommate
1: at the time. This is correct. Also, uh, Sarah is a former guest. Her her episode hasn't come out yet. So, uh, that's, that's something to look forward to folks. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely correct. And, um, and, uh, I mean, we had met, uh, after that, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I had taken a class with you, uh, you. Uh, at your, it has now been renamed. If I remember correctly, it was a different name before, but now it is uh, Cat Rambo's School for Wayward Writers. Is that correct?
2: It is the Rambo Academy for Wayward oh, excuse, Writers. Excuse is, me. Excuse uh, me. Yeah, it's yeah, it's actually this is the tenth year of it is its existence. So it's been very cool the way that it has progressed over the years.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it, it and it's really something, folks. Uh, it, this is towards our listeners uh if anyone has uh writing um aspirations there are uh like uh classes that are you know like video Mm -hmm. classes but there's also video on or classes on demand uh which is also very cool if you don't have you know the time well you can't coordinate
2: looping back to sarah sarah actually has taught twice now for me Uh, The same class on applying songwriting techniques to one's fiction, uh, which has been super cool. That's been the nicest thing about the school is that I bring in other people to teach and then just absorb all their wisdom like a parasitical fungus of some kind.
1: (laughs) Oh, I see you've been reading Mexican Gothic. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, that, that is, that is a pretty cool thing. And that I did not know that, although I believe maybe I, I should have known that somewhere. Uh, it's one of these pieces of information that floats around and I see it for a second and then immediately ah. it like goes into some, oh, del- delves deep into my brain and comes up at some weird moment. Um, but yeah, uh and we have met also at uh the at most recently was at the Pittsburgh Nebula yes. uh awards conference, which mm-hmm. um was fun. But yes. uh but now that uh well we'll see when when the next time uh-huh. we can see each other on right. those is.
2: That was in the before times.
1: <laughs> yeah we 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 asked Sarah when she was on if she was tired of being right so
2: <laughs> oh god yes I mean how many times has she been asked that question so far
1: I'm sure I'm sure I was being I was being more more cheeky oh, yeah. than anything else but oh, yeah. uh I'm sure that she's heard that one ad nauseum these days but uh let me get out of the way a second and have Pete ask you a couple of questions yes <laughs> Okay, well,
0: this question has a long lead-in, which is disappointing because it's a pretty simple question, Okay. but um, one of the things that I do when I'm trying to answer a question about or design a good question for an author is I dig around a little to make sure that it hasn't shown up in 40 other interviews because I don't want to annoy you. And so um, the first thing that popped up when I was looking for this question is the following article from the Edinburgh News. Um, lost and injured Cat Rambo <laughs> traveled eight miles. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, that, that, is, that is very impressive. impressive. I, I'm guessing
1: it's it, not you. It's
2: not me. And did you run across the guy? There was for a while a New York taxi driver who drove around with his cat, and of course his cat's name was Rambo. And then there is a person who is also named Cat Rambo, and I actually have have uh, we've messaged back and forth a couple of times. She lives in Florida, is a I believe a graffiti artist, and the way that I ran across her was a pointer to the fact that she had won an underwater. Pumpkin carving contest with a pumpkin carved in the likeness of George Bush.
1: This sounds like the most Florida competition ever. I, I'm, I'm going to just jump in there a second because that is amazing. But, but Pete, please go on. <laughs> okay, sure.
0: Well, I mean, the question is never going to be as good as that. But um, I, I lived in Vegas for a number of years. And one of the things that struck me about this story is that there were elements that really made it clear that you knew Vegas or at least did your homework. Mm-hmm. Like the, uh, the sort of uh, side handed putting somebody at the Luxor because that's what you do with guests you don't want. Like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that really jumped out at me. And so I was sort of curious what your relationship was to Vegas because you, or, you know, was it, was it homework or experience?
2: Well, the way that I knew Vegas was, was two ways. And one is uh, Tim Powers has a wonderful novel called Last Call. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Oh, I love that book. And it made me kind of fall <laughs> in love with the city before I ever went to it. But then uh, this sounds sort of bizarre. So I used to work with an online game, a MUD, and we used to have yearly gatherings. And so we gathered in Vegas at one point. And, uh, we, God, what was the name of the hotel? We went to like the Sahara cause it was a desert themed game and it was this really kind of crappy off the strip hotel. But we went around to the Luxor and we went to the, the, was it Excalibur where the yes. night yes, and cheered <laughs> for the dark night and it was hysterical. Yeah. But those are my two experiences with, with Vegas actually is, is it right there?
0: That's perfect. So honestly that jumped right into my second question which is pretty amazing. Um when I read about uh magic in in novels uh, people fall into certain categories usually. Like there's the the people who clearly have played a lot of dungeons and dragons. <laughs>
2: uh
0: there's there's people who are in, interested in some sort of historical or even an indigenous connection. And then there's people who like street magic, and yeah. so when, when I read this, this it well, it felt like Last Call or Earthquake Weather or something like that, where the the rules existed. It's just most people don't see them. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, what is is that is that throughout your work? Do you do you love street mm. magic, or was this an experiment?
2: Well, no, I I will say, and I had played D and D for. But uh, bajillion years, and I do have some stuff that's more, I would say, more fantasy, kind of classic fantasy leaning with spells and such. But yeah, no, I love, I love that urban fantasy magic. I love the street magic. I love uh, which Tim Powers book is it where the ghosts get lured by the glass candy or by the coins, they're glued down and they, oh, they, they act as ghost traps, right? And I just, that- oh, so good. I love that stuff. I, I love that kind of, the weird magic where it isn't quite explained, but it feels, it feels like it makes sense, but you'd have a hard time figuring out the system by which it makes sense. Well, it's like, like the, that-
0: the palindromes on the ashtrays.
1: Yes,
2: that's it.
0: Yeah. Um, Is that I- uh,
1: Medusa's web?
0: um it's earlier than that okay. um it's not earthquake weather oh it's expiration date
1: it's expiration
2: date that's it is yes. thomas thomas edison's ghost yes oh i, I I'm, just, oh, I'm so pleased i love those books and i never meet other people that like them as much as i do i nobody <laughs> will talk to me about those books
1: pete that's not true I, I mean, well, at least I read last call.
0: <laughs> it's true. Well, I don't I'm not calling you out. Usually when we're together, like we need to talk about the author stuff. So, you know,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Huh. Um, I, I, I uh, it's funny because I immediately figured that this was sort of I, I do see the Tim Powers connection, but I was immediately thinking about um, one, that this is sort of like a hidden history type of uh, mm-hmm. narrative. Hmm. And two, that obviously part of the hidden history is the Nazi Rod of Seven Parts, uh, yeah. which is D, uh, uh, a callback to the D, the horrible D and D artifact. Which uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh my god, the that's it. awesome! It's <laughs> very good reading. I'm impressed. Well, you know, I I, I do try. I have my moments. <laughs> oh. But yeah, so uh, Heinrich did feel like a bit of like Rod of Seven Parts where you're like, "Mm, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a bad idea if you put them all together, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So was this based off of, was this just off the dome or was this something that you had been thinking about? Like, is this sort of like a Hellboy slash Indiana Jones thing?
2: Well, this story actually had a really sort of weird origin which is that somebody came and said, will you write me a diesel punk uh, story for this anthology I'm doing? And as sometimes happens, I procrastinated and ended up not giving them the story, which I had not promised. I just said I would try. So I, I was, felt clear on that. Let me mm-hmm. justify my guilt here. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and so I had started writing The Thing with Heinrich. And then I ended up, God, what was it? I started thinking about that phrase, Carpe Glitter. Mm -hmm. And then I was trying to figure out how to put the two together. And I had been watching a show on hoarders. And so those all collided and I decided to do what became a novelette. It was supposed to be a short story.
1: Right. Well, I I was going to point out that um, as I was reading this, because I read... This after I read, and granted, this is not necessarily fair, because uh, Sarah's latest story oh, um, two that, Trace yeah, and No, that's I, not fair.: Yeah, <laughs> I know.: <laughs>
2: She's so But good. I read that
1: first, and then I read this, and I thought, "Huh, two horror stories.
2: Well, um, and you, you know what happened was Ursula Vernon came out with a hoarder story at the same time. It was just it was like clearly something in the zeitgeist, I think. Hmm,
0: interesting. And was it written during uh, the pandemic?
2: No. Okay. No, this was written several years ago, a number of years okay. ago.
0: Because I, I could justify it if it was all in the pandemic, because we're all trapped looking at our shit. We can't get away from
2: <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, I, I totally identify with that. It's like, I have this crap. How do I get rid of it?
0: Yes. <laughs> I I purchased a few weeks ago this breakfast nook, and it arrived in like a couple of flat packs. And I was gonna throw my kitchen table away and build this beautiful little breakfast nook. So I no longer have a kitchen table, and I have like wood everywhere. It's like yeah. awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Which isn't relevant. I
2: apologize. Oh, no, me. but it is, it is pandemic life. I mean. I usually have a, you know, I'm a writer, so I accumulate books because people send them to me and I, I have an unfortunate book addiction. And I am used to being able to take a few bags of books down to the used bookstore and get get rid of them that way. And my husband and I are practicing uh, strict isolation because he's uh, pretty at risk. And so the books are piling up. It's terrible. <laughs>
1: It's good
0: insulation
2: in the winter,
1: <laughs> yeah, though. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. So did you study up on uh like modern well, these aren't necessarily modern uh uh magicians or anything like that. These would be more like mid century magicians. Um so like uh Eterno and uh, and the uh grandmother in the piece, these are sort of more of the sort of heyday of mm-hmm. Vegas, is that mm-hmm. right?
2: Mm hmm. And that is because uh, when I was in high school, actually, I loved a uh, sleight of hand and actually uh, did a lot of practice, a lot of magic tricks and was, would go to the magic store and buy tricks and was never terribly good with them, but really had a lot of fun with it. So, yeah, I, I love uh, I love magicians and magic tricks. I think it is uh, one of the coolest things there
1: are that makes me think because i maybe this is an an unkind stereotype but uh i've always thought about like stage magicians or or sleight of hand you know prestidigitation Mm -hmm. uh, and so on and so forth and generally speaking a lot of magicians also love to study sort of the I don't know if it's real psychology, but it's definitely pop psychology type of aspect of like how to trick people, how to defer oh, attention. Oh, for sure. For sure. Did you, did you get into any of that?
2: Um. Well, I worked for a while at a counseling center that practiced uh, neurolinguistic programming, uh, which talks about kind of how to read how people think by listening to what they say and how they say it and and watching some of their uh micro expressions um so yeah actually uh i have done some of that i don't think i've ever used it though to do like tarot uh, cards or anything like that
1: mm, interesting okay okay i mean i just find it fascinating yeah. because it it sort of goes sort of uh hand in hand with
2: well, like the I mean, it's absolutely true. And I can think of a time when actually when I was in Baltimore uh, and I went down to Fells Harbor uh, with Mm -hmm. my mother and we were walking along and there was a little shop. that was like tarot cards. And the woman was standing in the window and she beckoned to my mother. And my mother said, let's go in. And I said, no. And she (laughs) said, no, 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 let's go in. I was like, this is a mistake. And we went in and it was just fascinating to watch this woman who If I had not been there, I would have had my mother buying like 50 bucks worth of of candles uh, to help her cleanse her energies. I mean, and my mother's not a dumb woman, uh, but this (laughs) woman was good. She was really good.
1: I I know what you mean. Uh, I I worked for about five minutes with some... uh, I don't know whether they were really Roma or whatever, but they claimed to be in Puerto Rico. And, uh, it was, it was interesting to watch yeah. them sort of work. Um, and, and sort of the, the way that they, they had sort of like a patter down mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a way to, Oh, did you, Oh, you feel that, that pressure on your stomach and you you'd oh, yeah. get people to buy yeah. into, even though maybe they'd never felt that pressure. Suddenly they agree. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's sort of really interesting to watch. Yeah. Uh, it it was so, let me put it to you this way. It was so convincing mm-hmm. uh, to that person that I started wondering, well, is there something really yeah. there? And then you go like, no, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: So, To our audience, we're not disparaging magic, if you believe no,
1: in
2: it. No, no. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, I do think there... Is a lot to be said for sort of the kind of quote unquote power of positive thinking and visualizing what you want and and just sort of thinking about it. I and, and it's sort of if you want to label that a magic of sorts, I think your thoughts certainly influence things and certainly the the way you're thinking about things influences what is happening to you in terms of what you see cuz you see what you expect.
0: Yeah, it's it's your brain's a filter. I think mm-hmm. that's absolutely true.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I believe that. Um and and uh, but but by the same token, you can also if you lean too far into that, you can also let oh, yourself sure. believe things that are not really there. Um and you know, I guess to uh, to each person's uh, own, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. I guess it depends on each person's own mm-hmm. um, limitations or where they're at. Uh, you know, that that's what determines whether that is healthy or harmful. Mm-hmm. I feel um, speaking of because. Um, so uh, in 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 the story. The the relationship between grandmother and mother and granddaughter is very sort of fraught and complex and very complicated. (laughs) There's a lot of control going on. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. I guess, and and that's perfectly valid. I feel like that's something that I, I love to see where you get people that are just not, they're not Paragons. (laughs) Paragons <laughs> yeah that's fun to watch and to read about uh but was this like did you get some sort of inspiration is this some sort of oh, oh it simply- sure.
2: yes that is that is me and my mother and my grandmother uh which is a theme I have come back to in multiple times in my fiction um and and that the the grandmother is she, she would is I mean, like my grandmother did not have a huge amount of money and c- control my college or anything like that. Uh, but she was uh, a very controlling woman. Uh, she was not a very nice woman. Uh, she was a very sort of uh, angry and unhappy woman. But uh, one of the things Penelope says is uh, it's very hard not to love somebody who loves you wholeheartedly. And that is one of the things that I had from my grandmother was that she always uh, just absolutely adored me. And it was kind of odd to to be in this situation where she would just be absolutely shitty to my mother and then be so nice to me. And it was a very weird and in some ways a kind of, you know, manipulative and divisive uh, situation.
1: Well, I, I think that that's not necessarily. Um, I mean, I, I'm not. I don't, I don't want to speak for anyone else that's listening to this, but I, I, I think I see what you mean. Mm -hmm. Um, there is a thing, uh, that I'm, as you're saying that I'm seeing in my own, like a a pattern in my own, uh, family's relationship, Mm -hmm. my maternal grandmother was just she loves, she still loves me to pieces. She's like 104 or something uh-huh. like that. She's, uh-huh. <laughs> she thinks I'm in charge of shit at uh, <laughs> where I work. And it's like, no, that's not okay. But I, I don't need to worry about it. I, I'm not going to explain it to her. Cause she, she, she right. looped back around to I'm in charge of shit. Um, but she was very um, strict to my own mom. Mm. and it's, it, it was sort of, it puts you in, a, in an odd sort of queasy little place mm-hmm. where you're like, eh, yeah. W- what do I do here? And, yeah. and you know, th- there is that sort of power differential and the age differential, and even when you're an adult, that sort of carries over. I, I right. can see that fully. Absolutely. I, Go
0: ahead. I, I remember my father and my uncle having a conversation about my grandfather around me, and, you know, they were sort of like, well, it, it's, it's amazing. We've, you know, we, 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 he never interacted this way with us. And just in you guys talking about this, it it just sort of bubbled up in my head because I was thinking I, I've never had this experience and it's like, well, no, that's not true. It just, I didn't center it.
1: I mean, I, I also think it's easy to like in a generational sense, it's easy to have like these weird wedges with the people that are closest to you but the next person down in the chain because they are removed from that you can then project all the love that you should have given to the next person down Mm -hmm. to the next one Mm -hmm. and 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 that felt really i mean honestly that felt really real Mm -hmm. uh in the story to me at least Mm -hmm. Uh, i can't speak for anyone else but i i definitely felt that But of course, it comes with the cost of like, now she's in charge of all of the shit that's in these yeah. three different houses. <laughs> yes.
2: Which I had a lot of fun with. Uh, there, there's all sorts of those objects that are fill the house. It was fun to put together the lists of things.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask you that. Like, Did you have lists of weird shit that she'd <laughs> find? Oh,
2: yeah. And I had actually, uh, at the time I was writing it, I visited a friend of mine uh, and she showed me her parents' house. And one of the things that they collected were uh, those mechanical machines, not just sort of mechanical pianos, but mechanical banjos and harps and all sorts of weird uh, mechanical instruments. And they had like two whole rooms full of them. (laughs)
1: You you know, I, I I should have expected that there's more than just a player pianos. <laughs> I had no idea though. <laughs> oh, there's ones with
2: like entire uh like quartets of instruments. It's it's wild.
1: Amazing. So this is like completely steampunky yeah. type of uh musical instrument yeah. or bands or whatever. Yeah. It's a one-man band, but we've <laughs> <you've> gotten rid <laughs> yeah. of the one man. <laughs> I am going to remember the
0: serial for a long time. I mean, that, that was a a visual that definitely sank in.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, so, um, was, I guess my question here and, and, and forgive me if we're jumping ahead a little bit, because Heinrich is a really interesting, uh, character. That's mostly there present through his absence. Mm-hmm. uh until you you realize oh wait no <laughs> that's not true uh so i guess it is i mean it 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 felt like heinrich is a mixture of like homunculus like alchemy and weird like Nazi uh gathering of weird like uh artifacts mm-hmm. and like was there anything that you were I guess, uh, it, it there's also uh, echoes of like, uh, what is it? Brand the blessed and yeah. mirror's head and all that stuff.
2: Well, when I sat down to write it, uh, I actually kind of, uh, when I first started writing the part where she's hoarding or, or she's going through the grandmother's hoarded stuff, I wasn't sure what she was going to find and And then at one point I was like, oh, she finds that robot or the, you know, the mechanical guy from the other story. And that was where, I I don't know if you remember, like the first thing she finds is the kind of the hand and it's got (laughs) like the weird Nazi symbols and thumb, like thunderbolts and swastikas all over it. And that was the moment where I kind of saw that in my head that the story kind of clicked for me. And I was like, oh, this is partially a story about these generational conflicts. And this is one way that the generational conflict gets played out, right? Here's this this sort of person, but also sort of a MacGuffin, right? A, a object of to be coveted by everyone in
1: Chase. Right. Right. It's funny because you you actually subvert because it, it initially I think I was expecting um Heinrich to be a, a, a big dumb object mm-hmm. you know uh,
0: yeah yeah the, I, the that's what I thought too the Maltese Falcon
2: yeah
1: and it turns out that he's sort of like mm, in charge of everything <laughs> up until that point and it's it's an interesting subversion of that um, did you was that because it sounds like you had sort of like done some exploratory writing and then sort of stumbled across oh uh, this suddenly mm-hmm. appeared and-
2: yeah This was, I I think in many ways, this was a story that was, what is the classic, I'm going to write by the seat of my pants. Uh, But basically, as I got into it, I was, I suddenly thought, oh, I have this half finished story. It's clearly relates to this somehow. And then started thinking about, well, okay, that was about this uh, mechanical man uh, that must be, Uh, she must find him, but I don't want him to find, I don't want her to find him. I want her to find a piece of him.
1: Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Because then, then if he finds all of the, then where's the rest? Yeah. Where's the
2: rest? And, and you have to have, I mean, I wanted that, that sense of, I, I, I like that sense of kind of having to hunt through all the, stuff that she's been going through and and i like one of the things that i like or, or that i'm pleased with is that i i feel i introduced the place where the final component is fairly early on and fairly kind of as a kind of nice little side note and then when you when she's suddenly like oh they're there uh, you're like oh it's those does that make sense i'm trying not to do a spoiler
1: yeah. No, 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 it's fine. I mean, um, I, I uh, we could probably avoid spoilers, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. Uh, I'm going to expect that our, our, our audience is going to probably read this at some point, but, um, yeah, I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the, the, what is interesting about this is not necessarily the, because I, I, I sort of said it was like the Nazi rod of seven parts, but that implies that there's this big adventure and you mm-hmm. sort of procedurally find each part <laughs> and it's not true no, no. because what is interesting about this is all the parts are, are there. It's just simply sifting through all the shit that's in the three mm-hmm. houses mm-hmm. and then the complications that come from that. Right. Right. So I- it becomes like a weird, uh, turnabout reversal and so on and so forth. More of a, uh, uh like the the aftermath of a heist right. type of thing. Right.
0: I have a dumb analogy. It's uh have you guys ever like uh used, used water pressure to take paint off a wall, or have you seen somebody do yes. that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what this felt like when she was sort of doing the archaeology through her grandmother's life. It's like she was she was destroying as she goes, clearing it out uh, to get to yeah. the deeper level.
1: Oh, I like that. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that, that makes perfect sense. Um I uh I also wanted to ask you, uh poor Sarah Day. <laughs> really good uh, uh was she also a magician? I don't remember now. Um she was. I think she was
0: the mentor. She she
1: was the right. mentor magician. Okay, fair enough. And then uh for whatever reason uh she gets her her ghost gets captured. Yeah. That, yeah. That felt like a real shitty thing to do. It <laughs> to is. Someone. And
2: it, I, I think it's another instance of the grandmother just being, in many ways, just an awful person.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, 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 that was the moment that I realized, oh, oh, yeah, she's she's bad. Yeah. She was bad. It's probably best that she's not in this story.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's I mean, you know, that's another instance of the hoarding. Right, she can't even let the the ghost go. She's like, "No, I'm going to stuff it in a, a jar and keep it."
0: Power my lights. That,
1: ah, that's it. I mean, I I I I I keep on going back and forth on that because that is something that is very interesting. It's the the idea that you can't let someone go and die for real. Mm. And yeah, you know, if you really love them, you'd let them go because they're in pain or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But you don't. And most of the time, that is a selfish desire because you don't want to feel like yeah. they are gone. You don't you want to grapple them. with that. Yeah, you don't want to grapple with the sense of loss. I feel. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's that's an interesting um, perspective. Because that is something that I have thought about a lot. Yeah. Um, I I, I don't know if that's something that you have. I I don't want to sit here and and make this the pod side therapy session. But
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know that might do very well. Um, (laughs) Well, I mean, and I don't know. And it's kind of hard. I was in a situation a few years ago where I was on a pod. Cast, and this was good. I mean, it's a very good thing, but like they'd read my uh, collection, Near Plus Far, and they said, uh, suddenly, all of your stories are about loneliness and seeking connection. And I had never thought of it that way. So I was just like, holy fuck, yes. <laughs> you know, and, mm-hmm. and at the same time, it was mildly embarrassing to have produced, I think, like 20 stories and not realized that this was, in fact, a common theme. And so but that seems to be one of the themes that I keep coming back to over and over again. And I think this is a question of, can that connection be made in a generational uh, way? And I think the answer from the story is no, but who knows?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it also depends on whether that other per- person, you know, the other generation wants right. to make that connection. Right, And And, and, and the feel- person...
2: The person that she ends up connecting with is, uh, of course, the former mentor, the grandmother's mentor.
1: Right, right, exactly. Um, and, and that's fraught as well because, mm-hmm. because of what's been done to her. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I mean, I feel like the only person that is sort of an unmitigated um, sort of good person, or at least has Persephone's uh, interests at heart, Is Mm Eterno, and that is an interesting thing because he's hardly in the story, Mm -hmm. but he's pivotal to certain parts of it.
2: Yeah, I wanted. I wanted. Honestly, I kind of wanted there to be another male figure in there uh, to play against uh, Heinrich, and so that that's why Eterno is in there. And he's also Eterno is Mandy Patinkin because I love Mandy Patinkin.
1: (laughs) I did, you know, I had not <laughs> imagined him that way uh, I, for whatever reason. I'm the, the image in my head, and this may simply be because I've played it so many times. Uh, he looked like the conductor from, uh, the Galician, uh, Rimsky, Korsakoff, <laughs> Shasarazad, uh, uh, musical piece, but Mandy Patinkin will also work. I, I would have he's to
2: look, Yeah
1: because i mean (laughs) i was imagining him as like much older and like a weird with a weird sort of almost neck beardy but old guy and and yeah paunchy yeah anyway the the point being that it's interesting because it sort of deviates from what i imagined and Mm -hmm. it's sort of interesting Mm -hmm. because of that um so i guess my question here is had you thought, had you worked out what the backstory was and just withheld it? Or did you just dab in enough in the story to make it feel like? I, I know that this is like showing your tricks.
2: Oh, I did. I did just dab. It, it It is the backstory, and there is, is flimsy as balsa paper <laughs> or balsa <laughs> wood. Really, it is.
1: I'm sorry, folks. Uh, if you're listening to this, this is a trick well, we all use.
0: I'm endlessly fascinated by this stuff because I'm I'm a prolific reader, and I have the writing ability and even interest of a cabbage. But like <laughs> talking to writers about what they do and how they pull it out is never going to get old for me. It's it's you know it's it's being able to step behind the magic show a little. It's
2: pretty cool. It's it's really interesting. I mean, and and that's for me one of the fun things about reading as a writer is you know enjoying it the first time and then go, getting to go back and say okay how did they do that and mm-hmm. taking it apart, uh, which I think is just so much fun to do.
1: Well, I I love uh, for me especially I love like the meta aspect of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And having sort of like a meta story in with the story, yeah, uh, this is something I go back to over and over again. I just mm-hmm. love it to pieces, uh, mainly because I'm interested in it as well. And uh, you know, in a recent um, in a recent uh, podcast that I was on, I was talking about adaptation and how adaptation lampshades and points out mm-hmm. this is what's going to happen. And then by the third act does exactly what it says. It calls its shots and you are completely, you are both on the one hand, you are aware that this is what the story is doing to you. But at the same time, you're also allowing the story to do Mm -hmm. that to you Mm -hmm. and you're aware of it. And that is an amazing magic trick. It it is, it is honestly like the Penn and Teller version. Speaking of magicians, it's like Penn and Teller doing, Explaining a magic trick to you. Mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm.
2: It's, it's, it's like an extra layer of pleasure, right?
1: Because
2: mm. it fits together so neatly.
1: Well, I mean, it, it also, um, I think it also speaks to, uh, or, 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 uh, maybe hits that, that dopamine level where you are now in on the trick. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, I think. One of the things that you want to do as a writer when you're doing tricky stuff is, is A, you never want to make the reader feel dumb uh, because they'll assume, they won't assume that they feel dumb because you didn't do your job right. They'll assume that they're dumb and that's why they feel dumb and that's not a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're not going to come to you anymore because you made them feel bad. But when they're kind of like, he, 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 I'm in the know, it's, it's an extra layer of pleasure. It's just kind of, you're in the in crowd, you're extra savvy. And that's yeah. a, a very honest, honestly pleasurable thing, right?
0: Well, and that's yeah. got to be a balance too, because if you feel like you figured it out and the author didn't want you to figure it out, yeah. I mean, that that's always an ugly feeling. But what you're talking about where it's shared, I do like that very much. Oh, yeah.
2: Well, or the there's a, a few books or a few, some stories that pull it off uh, where that it's an unreliable narrator and you find out at the end and you're like, holy fuck. And then you go back and you look and they played totally fair, right? They played yeah. absolutely fair and they showed it to you and you're just like, wow. It's like
0: the momentum effect or momentum. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Memento. Yeah.
0: If I could say
1: it, yes. <laughs>
2: well. It's
1: okay. Uh, six six cents. That's it. I was
2: just about way. to say six cents. Like, remember like that moment where you suddenly like, oh fuck, he's you know, I'm I'm gonna spoil six cents for anybody listening.
1: He's dead. <laughs> uh, but, Spoilers for a 20-year-old movie.
2: Right. They go back and you get that kind of montage of moments, and you're just like, Oh shit, I'm reading that moment in an entirely different way now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I, I love doing that, especially in my flash pieces where oh, yeah. it's like um, you, there is because there there is a character arc, but sometimes, mm-hmm. especially in flash pieces, because they're so short, what you substitute that for is a reader arc, right? That's where it. Where they're where they're aware, you suddenly be, make them aware of a context, and then suddenly everything previous to that, before that reveal, is like, oh, yeah, okay, I.
2: I talk about that in my flash class and the story that I use to talk about that with is the Hemingway six word short story. Oh right? god, yes. <laughs> because it's, you know, it's for sale and you're like, "Oh, what's for sale?" And then it's like baby shoes. You're like, "Oh, baby shoes, that's so cute." And then it's like never worn and you're just like, "Oh, fuck, the baby's dead." Right?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's a that's a horrible.
2: <laughs> oh god. And and the change takes place in the reader's understanding
1: of the story. Right i mean and and uh to to that i i I did riff on that with uh this was actually my first pro sale was uh was it clown car driven once never emptied <laughs> so that's the title oh that's, that's so awesome <laughs> it just it just tells you the what to expect from the story right from, I, the, from-
2: seriously that is a that is a very good title I love it. <laughs> So, um,
0: can I go somewhere off-topic for a second? Oh sure. Well, you did something that I thought was really fun a few years ago, which was a. uh, It was in a new weird compilation. Oh yeah, yeah uh, yeah. Vandermeer's put together. Yeah yeah, you participated in a round robin that I always thought was really
2: cool. Could could you tell the folks at home about it? So uh, yeah, I had I had done actually a collaboration uh with Jeff Vandermeer through a kind of weird series of coincidences. And then when he was doing the new weird project, he said, Are you interested in taking part in this round robin? And I was super new and I was super intimidated. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm gonna do a terrible job and then I'll get blackballed from the industry and no one will ever speak to me again. <laughs> and so uh I worked my butt off on that piece. And I think it, it was fun to do but they are really weird. <laughs> really, really weird.
0: <laughs> that's yeah I, I mean it's it seemed like there was no guard rails on it but i mean yeah that's they were
2: yeah it's, well, they, I, they just gave you kind of like pieces like mine one of mine was i, I can't remember was it the the oh, i can't remember the names of the creatures god i can't oh. remember it's like the creatures that are i want to say salps or something like that Uh, Never mind. Go ahead.
0: Oh, I I, I just was, I was sort of fascinated. Like it's an interesting mix of authors because Mm -hmm. like there's some in there that really jump out at me. Like, like I love Paul DeFilippio. I'm a huge Gilman fan, you know, and just the idea that they brought everyone together to do something like this. And it was sort of sewn together at the end.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, it, it, collaborations and working with other people is, is when it's interesting and fun, people can just be so incredibly rewarding and you end up producing something that you're just sort of, you look at it and you go, Holy shit.
1: (laughs) This was me. (laughs) That's it. That's it. (laughs) Well, and and it's funny because um, you mentioned that uh, and uh, we had Erica certificate on uh, and she was mentioning collaborations with her husband Mm -hmm. and her spouse. And, uh, it was interesting because we asked her like, so did it, did there come a point where you didn't realize which parts were whose, Uh and, uh, did that happen with you? Uh, it depends on the,
2: the, because like with the round robin, uh, can, we each produced a, a pretty recognizable chunk that was attached mm-hmm. with our name. Uh, but in other collaborations, like the time I did the one with Jeff, there are pieces where I could look at it and I just like, I have no idea which one of us wrote that. Or there's pieces where I look at it and go, I remember that I wrote that because we argued about X or Jeff wrote it because we you know, argued about Y, something like that.
1: Right. So it, it, you, what you're saying is that you only knew it because of the context of like yeah. having to write it. But it, it. that is interesting because it, it reminds me of, um, I always go back to this because it's like a, a an early book for me, like the talisman, uh, where uh. like Peter Straub and Stephen King were challenging oh, yeah. each other to write in each other's styles. And eventually yeah. like they, may have gotten a little confused as to who wrote what parts. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's, 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 it's really interesting.
2: Yeah. And, I, and, you know, you want to be in a writer's group with people that are better than you because you'll learn more from them. And you want to collaborate with someone who is better than you. And I was very lucky to get a chance to, uh, I, I think everybody I've collaborated with, I have learned enormous amounts from.
1: That's amazing. Uh, one of these days I may collaborate with somebody. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, if you're listening to this, I may want to collaborate. <laughs> <laughs> Please call us. There you go. eight uh, hundred. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One eight hundred C O L L A B R. But oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So anyway, um, Cat, I guess uh, this might be the moment to ask you uh, what irons you may have in the fire. Uh, yes. What do you want to talk? Let about? Let us promote Cat. Well,
2: this is a very good year to be doing so because I actually have two novels and an anthology coming out this year. Um, In the spring, my third Tabat book, Exiles of Tabat, uh, which is the third book of the Tabat Quartet, is coming out from Wordfire Press. And Mm. then in the summer, uh, Jennifer Brozick and I are editing an anthology called The Reinvented Heart, which is science fiction stories about relationships. And then in the fall, I have the first of a space opera series coming out from Tor McMillan uh, called Ooh. You Sexy Thing, which is a space opera.
1: All right. That is awesome. All
2: right. Yeah. Um
0: I was also wondering, uh,
2: could we have you back sometime? I've really enjoyed oh, this. Oh, God, yes. I uh, Yes, Absolutely.
1: Yeah, we we have a a lot of questions about different things regarding genre, and like we have uh, specific stories we want to discuss, and maybe even (laughs) meta-subjects. I don't know. Your books? I mean, what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) I
2: like talking, so I will always be happy to come back. I will mail and figure out the
1: next time. Excellent. Awesome. Excellent. All right, uh, Pete. Do you have anything else? Uh, uh,
0: no, I just I, I hope when Chewy went crazy at the beginning of the episode, that wasn't too audible.
1: Um, I didn't hear a no. thing. So. Okay.
0: Yeah, I've I've got uh, a hundred pound mastiff mix who thinks me not watching him is a personal affront. So, <laughs> uh,
1: Pete, how dare you do violence against Chewy by yes. not watching That's right. him? That's right. Oh,
0: can I tell you about the pig?
1: Yes. this is the weirdest yes. Go thing ahead, man. <laughs> so
0: he's he's been going to daycare and I just got him like a month and a half ago and uh, when, when I first brought him to the day, daycare they gave him an evaluation and he failed it with flying colors like absolutely <laughs> failed to do anything they wanted him to do and so he's not in gem pop he's in the isolation ward unfortunately <laughs>
1: And so, you know, when you phrase it like that, Pete, it makes it sound like a tragedy.
2: pig, Please tell me there's a pig at doggy daycare. Oh, there is a pig at doggy daycare. <laughs> so I, uh, I, when I, when I dropped
0: him <laughs> off last night, or I'm sorry, I picked him up last night. I don't overnight him. I when I When I picked him up last night, I was like, well, I can't wait till he gets through the training process so he can hang around other dogs. Um, he's, you know, he, he really does need dog friends. And the guy looks at me and he's like, oh, he has a best friend, the pig. And I'm like, uh, and he's like, oh yeah, you know, we've got the pig in the back and Chewie gets really mad when anybody bothers the pig and they go out and they play together during the sessions. And when their cages are next to each other, Chewie cleans him. And I'm like, I need a photo of those two <laughs> plagues,
2: so but did the pig do better on the evaluation than Chewy did, or did they do kind of at the same level?
0: I I don't know. Like they might have just sort of formed a a, a gang a of some kind. Yes, <laughs> but they probably I, I, didn't uh, even test the pig,
1: you know. Because I'm just I'm just. <laughs> I'm just imagining that the pig is like the TA of the daycare.
2: <laughs> oh, that's it. That's it.
1: Yeah, I just—I
0: have no idea what's going
1: on. <laughs> I'm just imagining. I'm sorry, Pete, but I'm just imagining like that'll do, pig. That's
2: it. <laughs> I I want pictures.
0: <laughs> oh, when I get pictures, I, we we will at you on Twitter when awesome. that happens. I awesome, promise. Awesome, awesome, awesome.
2: <laughs> well, you know what? So I'll tell you because we just got a few more minutes. I'll tell you one of the funniest stories. Which and this was in Baltimore, and I lived in Charles Village, mm-hmm. and one of the people in Charles Village had one of those little pot-bellied pigs, and they had a monkey. And the <laughs> monkey would ride around on the pig's back. Oh my God. <laughs> and I had seen this like twice and I kept telling my fellow graduate students about it. And they're like, cat, you are on fucking crack. And I was like, no, no, I swear to God. And then finally one day we we're out walking. I was like, there it is. <laughs> it was the pig with the monkey. And the monkey In had a little incredible. uniform
1: too. Well, we, we now know what the outro music for this episode is going to be. <laughs> and it's going to be the baby monkey song.
0: Ah! <laughs> <laughs> okay, then you're writing it up. I'm not typing. that.
1: That's so <laughs> All right, um, I can't even. Note. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry, I can't even do the outro. <laughs> I'm laughing too
0: hard. Okay, okay. Cat, um, um, uh, thank you much, so much for coming.
1: Pleasure. Uh, uh, Total pleasure. Thank you,
0: and everyone. I hope you guys had as much fun
1: as we did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> have fun, folks. Oh. <laughs>